for our, 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 our theme for August, Ready for a Miracle. And um, as I've been studying and preparing for today, I've just had an anticipation in my spirit as well, looking forward, uh, looking for a miracle. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Matthew, I'm sorry, to Mark chapter 5, verse 21. We're going to read this morning, and hopefully you have your sermon outlined, you can follow along with us. And then during the week, you can go back and you can let God speak to you again about, about His Word during the week and everything. So I encourage you to take notes. You get extra crown in your uh, jewel in your crown. You get to heaven if you take notes. But uh, Mark chapter five verse twenty one. It's a super famous story. I'm sure you all know it. It says when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. I'm gonna stop right there and just kind of give you a little bit of backstory. Jesus is in the early stages of his ministry uh, here on earth. And up until this point, Jesus has healed some sick and he's cast out demons. In fact, right before these verses, Jesus had cast uh, the demons out of the uh, demoniac man and they had gone into the pigs and they had ran out into the lake. And it really freaked everybody out. It really scared them. And so they begged Jesus, Jesus, please go, go back to where you came from. Please leave us. We, you know, we're, we're a little scared. We, we don't know what's going on. And that's why Jesus has gone back over. But every time Jesus is performing miracles, his fame and his notoriety is growing. And so this is where we pick back up here in verse 21 with Jesus. He's crossed the lake and he's come and he's, as he's going into the town, a leader of the synagogue is coming to Jesus. Now this is important because the leaders of the synagogue have been causing problems for Jesus. They're the ones upset with Jesus performing these miracles and especially performing miracles on Sunday, on the Sabbath of all days, right? Uh, and so, so they're, they're normally causing problems with Jesus. But here's one coming to Jesus, seeking a miracle, right? And so as we read the story, I'm going to give you four principles that can help us as we're coming to Jesus, seeking miracles in our lives. So you guys with me? So as we read, I'm just, we're going to read through uh, about verse 43. And along the way, we're going to make some observations about the principles. So in verse 22 again. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus, he comes to Jesus uh, and, he fell, and he fell at Jesus' feet. This is interesting because in the Greek it says he prostrated himself, like he worshiped Jesus. So not just like, Jesus, please come help me. Like he's crying out to Jesus. Jesus, you're the only one that can help. So we go to verse 23. And Jairus implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is dying. So not she's sick, Jesus. She's dying. It's serious. This is like DEFCON 1, okay? My little daughter's dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus is like, I can do that. Let's go. And so not only does Jesus go with him, but the crowd of people, they're like, hey, I'm up for a show today. Let's go see what Jesus does. And so they follow him and they pressed around Jesus. Verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all that she had. Yet instead of of getting better, she grew worse. So we'll stop there for a second. So this is what a lot of scholars like to say. It's a Marconian sandwich, right? Or Markian sandwich. So Mark, he starts with one story. And then he's putting this other story in the midst of the first story because it's going to highlight and make the first story even greater. So you guys with me? So we see Jairus, he needs Jesus. 
They're waiting on a miracle. I'm sure Jairus has been doing what any dad or any mom does. He's been trying to help his daughter get better naturally. But now he's coming, Jesus, I need you to do what the doctors can't do. Well, here, a lady, she inserts herself in into the crowd here. She's been having this issue of blood for 12 years. Scholars believe it's probably a fibroid tumor that was causing the bleeding. And so it's been 12 years that she's been dealing with this. And this is our first observation, our first principle. And so if you're taking notes, you can write, fill in the blanks here. God's timing may be different than ours. God's timing may be different than ours. Now, I'm sure Jairus would have been like, Jesus, just heal her. And like, boom, she'd be here. I'm sure Jairus would have been okay with that. I'm sure the woman with the issue of blood has been praying, has been calling out to God, right? In fact, there in, there in the verses, it says she's tried everything, but she hasn't got better, right? So if we go back to those verses, verse 25, it says she's had this issue of blood for 12 years. And so when she has this issue of blood, she's totally separated from society, right? Because of the Mosaic law, she was impure, she was unclean. She would actually have to wear certain clothes in a certain way so that people could see her and be like, hey, She's unclean. Don't, don't, don't talk to her unless you become unclean. Don't touch her unless you become unclean. All right? So she's ostracized from society. She's an outcast. And she's been dealing with that for 12 years. She'd have had a hard time spending time with her family, with her friends. There would be no birthday parties or get to no Fed Augusto, nothing, right? All right? And not only that, she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. So it's not just one doctor. She's tried them all. She's gone to all the specialists. Not only that, she spent all that she had, right? So if you actually go read this account in Luke, Luke leaves that out. Luke was a doctor. He didn't want to mention, hey, she gave all of her money to the doctors and they didn't do anything. He was trying to, to watch out for his fellow doctors there, right? And not only had she spent all of her money, not only had she tried all the specialists, she had gotten worse. Again, God's timing may be different than ours, right? And that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. Or God's delay doesn't mean that he loves us any less. You guys with me? That's important to know. Just because God's timing is different than ours doesn't mean God loves us any less. If you go back to chapter 4, when the disciples, when there's a storm on the lake, right? Jesus has sent them across the lake, right? right? And now there's a storm where Jesus has sent them. That didn't mean Jesus loved them any less. We know that Jesus loved them and he calmed the sea, right? He calmed the storm. So just because God's delayed or his timing isn't what we think it should be doesn't mean God loves us any less. In fact, here in a moment, we're going to see that God loves us more, right? He loves us so much that he's not willing to be rushed by our time frame. Think about it. I'm going to say that again for somebody. God loves us so much more than what we think that he will not be rushed by our time frame. All right? And so continue on reading here in verse 27. It says, she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd. Now, that's a side message. We won't get too much in that. But she had heard about Jesus. So there's an assumption there that people talk about Jesus when he's moving in their lives. And so that's another question. Are you talking about Jesus to your non-believing friends, to your coworkers, to your family when he's working in your life? That's a different sermon for a different day, but just make note of that, okay? She had heard about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. 
Now, what she's, she's not just talking about like the bottom of his jacket. Any good Jewish male, even today, they, uh, according to Mosaic law, they would have tassels that hang down from their clothes. And that's what she's talking about. If I can just touch the tassels of his garment there, I'll be healed. And, and she touched it. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt her in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Verse number 30. And Jesus, perceiving himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched me? Who touched my garment? And I, I love the disciples' response here, right? It's like, Jesus, do you see all these people in here? Like, do you see? I mean, come on, Jesus. And yet you ask us, who touched me? And Jesus asked again, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before Jesus. All right, so I, I love this. We'll point this out. This, again, not part of the preaching, but here it is. We see Jesus' humanity and his divinity here. Like Jesus knows his healing power, that someone's touched him in faith and has been healed, but he doesn't know who it was. So we see both humanity and divinity. Hey, I know I've healed someone, but I don't know who it is. Where are they? We see this several times in the book of Mark, where Jesus' humanity and divinity come out in full force. All right? So this woman, she comes, up to, and she, she comes in fear and trembling and falls at Jesus' feet. Now this leads us to principle number two. Principle number one, God's timing may be different than ours. Number two, God asks more of us and gives us more than we expected. God asks more of us and gives us more than we expected. Now this is powerful. God asks more of us and he gives us more than we expected. We see this here, right? Jesus He's in the crowd, who touched me? The woman's like, if I can just touch his garment, I'll be healed, I'll find my way back out, I'll be good, I won't have to tell anybody, because she's worried. See, if the crowd had known she was there among them, they would have chased her away, possibly thrown rocks at her, because they don't want to be unclean. They don't want to have accidentally touched her, and then they have to be unclean and go through the cleansing process. So she's, it's dangerous for her to be there. And so... When she's like, if I can just get in, I'll get out, I'll be quiet. But here, Jesus is asking more of this woman, right, than what she originally thought. Jesus is asking her to go public. Come, go public with your faith. Who touched me? Who did it? And so she actually comes to Jesus. I, I love it. I love what it says about it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. So it's not just like, hey, Jesus, it was me. I'm going to go back home. Like she comes to Jesus in the center of the crowd, right? Because there's a great crowd. They want to see the show. And she goes and she, she falls at her feet. And she's so afraid because she knows what actually should happen. And I love what it says. She tells Jesus the whole truth. Now, so you guys don't think I'm sexist or anything. This observation was made by Pastor Becca, okay? So made by Pastor Becca, a woman, Okay. When it says that she told the whole truth, what do you think that means? She told him the whole truth. Twelve years ago, back to the beginning, right? right? She didn't leave anything out. So what's actually happening right now? Where's Jairus at? Because remember, at the beginning of the story, Jairus comes, Jesus, my daughter's dying. If you'll just come and touch her, she'll be healed. All right? 
Jairus has Jesus. They're on their way. And now Jesus is like, hey, I got to stop. I got to wait, right? And Jairus is like, for the love of God, woman, stop talking. I got to go. My daughter's dying. And notice Jesus is not being rushed. Notice it doesn't say Jesus stopped her halfway. Yeah, thank you for that testimony, sister. We love you. Be blessed. Jesus hears the whole story. He will not be rushed. His timetable will not be pushed because of what we think is pressing. Because remember, God's timing may be different than ours. But also, God asks more of us and gives us more. He's asking Jairus now to wait and to have faith. Because up until this point, Jesus has not raised the dead. He's cast out demons. He's healed the sick, right? He's calmed the storms in the sea. But he hasn't raised anybody from dead. He's asking Jairus for extreme faith now. Jairus, just, just believe. I, I, I got this. I, it's under control. Right? And so just kind of put it into perspective here. It's kind of like you call the ambulance. You get somebody in the ambulance. They're, on, they're going. Their sirens are blaring. They're on the way to the hospital. And they stop for coffee. It's like, hey, I, I got to stop for a second. I got I to gotta get this. Right? And you're like, what are you, well, we got to get to the hospital. Don't you know this is life or death? Right? And Jesus is like, no, something else is, is I got I to deal with this first. And any, any good medical person would tell you, you always deal with the acute before the chronic. See, this woman, she has a chronic illness. The daughter is the acute illness in, in triage, right? You deal with the most pressing first, the most deadly. Right? And here Jesus is flipping everything. And so... Um, Jesus' response to the whole truth, right? Not just a little story, testimony, the whole truth. He tells her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, this is important. Uh, The wording here, Mark uses it on purpose. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Throughout the rest of Mark in the New Testament, this word that's translated as healed here is also the word for saved, so Jesus is saying, daughter, it's not just that you receive physical healing, but I want you to know you receive relational healing. You have been made right with God. You have been saved. Okay, come on, guys. That's good, right? She thought she's getting physical healing, and here she gets relational connection with God. She's saved. She's been made right. Are you guys with me? All she wanted was healing, right? And God asked more of her than what she thought. And here God over-delivers. He's like, I'm not just going to heal you. I'm going to make you right right relationally as well. Thank you, Jackie, for that hallelujah. If you're online, thank you for that hallelujah, right? He asks more of us, and he gives us more, right? So we see that again here with Jairus as well. We're going to get to it in just a moment. See, Jairus is just asking, God, save my daughter. Just heal her, make her whole. And here in just a moment, he's going to get way more than what he, he bargained for. And so while he's still speaking, there came from the ruler's house. They said, your daughter's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Don't trouble him. Right? And overhearing this, Jesus says, don't listen to them. Don't be afraid. Right? And pair, I'm going to paraphrase to move a little faster. So they go to Jairus' house. And on their way to the house, uh, and it's not just like she's just died. Right? It's not like it just happened. They've had enough time to get the, to get the wailers and the criers, the, the professional mourners. Like, oh, she's dead. Right? And so they're wailing and 
they're playing all the funeral music and they're go ahead and ripping their shirts and doing the ashes. So, I mean, she's, it's progressed. It's not like she just died. They're going through the whole process now. Well, as Jesus is coming, right, he's like, y'all stop all that, stop all that. She's not really dead. Why, why are you making this commotion in verse 39? I love Jesus' nonchalant thing, right? It's like, why are y'all doing all this? The child is not dead. She's just sleeping. Well, Jairus is just like, Jesus, I've never seen you raise somebody from the dead before. I just wanted you to touch my daughter. I just wanted you to heal her so she wouldn't be sick anymore, right? And so Jesus takes them into the house. He kicks everybody else out of the house, all the, the family, the friends, the wailers, the mourners, right? And it's just the mom, the dad, and the daughter. And he goes in and... Um, and taking her by the hand, in verse 41, he says, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Because remember, Jairus, he's just expecting him, Jesus to heal her. And here she has died. And now Jesus is giving her new life. Right? So Jesus has asked more of Jairus. Jairus, you believe me for something you've never seen before. You've never seen somebody come back to life, Jairus. I want you to believe me for that. And here he is, he's getting more. He's getting his daughter raised to new life. So he asks him for more, and he also gives more than expected. All right, so we're going we're to backtrack a little bit, and we're going to get another principle here. So God's timing may be different than ours. He asks more of us, but he also gives more than we expected. Principle number three is God's actions aren't determined by cultural values. God's actions aren't determined by cultural values. Say it a different way. God inverts the values of the culture. Right? God, just because we're in Italy doesn't mean God's going to work in the way that Italians expect God to work. If we're in Kenya, God's not going to work just the way Kenyans expect Jesus to work. If we're in the Philippines, God's not going to work the way Filipinos expect us to work. He's not going to work the way Americans expect him to work. God does what he wants to do. Right, and so I'm going to show it throughout the whole story, okay? You with me? Yes. We go back to the beginning. We have Jairus. He's the ruler of the synagogue. Jairus, he's a man. He's wealthy. He's, he's well off. Not only that, he's, he's respected by the community. So he's been elected to be the ruler of the synagogue. Right? And so society would say, Jesus, you focus on Jairus. He's the wealthy. He's the man. He's the one you should be focusing on. But what does Jesus do? As he's going through the crowd, he stops and he focuses on the unclean woman, right, who's had this issue of blood for 12 years, right, who's, by her testimony, she spent all of her money, she's poor. So where society says, Jesus, you focus on Jairus, right, Jesus said, no, I'm going to focus on the woman first. I'm going to make a point to teach, right, that it's not what society values, it's what I value is what matters. You guys with me? So Jesus took what they expected, and he did the opposite. So God's actions aren't determined by cultural values, right? He's not, he's not worried about what we think he should do, but he's focused on eternity and what's gonna, what he needs to do right, to see his kingdom expand. You guys with me? So that's just, it's, a, it's a really important principle. We can't let what Jesus did, what God did 10 years ago, dictate what we think he should do now. We don't, we don't need to let uh, what we saw God do in, in Jacqueline's life dictate what we think he should do in our lives, right? God inverts the values of the culture, wherever he's not, he's not bound in by cultural norms. Lastly, 
Number four, God is more powerful and more personal than we imagined. God is more powerful and more personal than we imagined. This is important. Too many times we think, God, he's far off. He doesn't want to be bothered by our everyday life, by our problems, what's going on at work or at school. But God's more powerful and more personal than what we imagined. I pointed this out earlier. In the the woman with the issue of blood, we see it here in verse 34. Jesus' daughter, your faith has made you well. She just thought, I'm just going to get a little healing. But here she is. She's getting personal relationship with the King of Kings, with the Lord of Lords. She's been saved. She's been made right. Jesus hasn't even died on the cross yet. And he's going ahead and say, daughter, you're good. I paid for your sins. You have been saved. You guys with me? So it's both more powerful, right? but then also Jesus stops everything. The crowd's all around him, and he's like, I want to know who touched me. He wants to hear the story, and he's more personal than what she can imagine. She's thinking, Jesus, he's that celebrity healer. He's that, he's that speaker everybody wants to hear. He's not going to have any time for me. If I can just touch him, I'll just touch the hem of his garment. And here Jesus is calling her close, right? Close, I don't. I don't know about you guys, but ever been in like a, a big concert or something where like it's so loud you have to get it right up to each other's ears and you got to yell, right? That's kind of what I imagine this is, right? There's so many crowd and they're talking. She has to get close to hear Jesus. Or more importantly, Jesus has to bend down because she's falling at his feet, right? And Jesus, he has to bend down to her so he can hear what's going on. He's so personal. He's willing to call her out of the crowd and willing to bend down and get at her level. Think about that. He's willing to come to us. In Psalm chapter 40, it says he lifts us out of the miry clay, right? Out of the mud. He's willing to get down there and get his hands dirty to get us up. He's that personal. And then take it over here to Jairus in verse 41. Jesus, he's he's gone to their house. I left it out earlier in verse 40. After Jesus had told the wailers and the mourners, hey, y'all, she's just sleeping. You know, she's not dead. They laughed at Jesus. They didn't have faith. You're crazy. She's dead. We've seen the body, right? We've already checked for the pulse. It's not there, Jesus. So they're laughing at him. They're making fun of him. And he took the child's father and her mother, and he took them in the room. See, Jesus, he came in like, I'm going to prove you all wrong right now. Little girl, come out. And she would have. But he's personal enough. He takes just the mom and dad. He says, this matters to you. It doesn't matter to them. They're being paid to mourn. That's why they can make fun. That's why they can laugh. It doesn't matter to them. It matters to you. So y'all come on in here with me. So Jesus takes them into the room. He closes the door. And he doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, girl, get up. He addresses her sweetly. And so it's kind of like, here, I'm going to let you guys get in and get even more personal. So you guys have met Camille. My, 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 my name for Camille is Guapa. If you ever hear, hear me talk to Camille, hey, Guapa, how you doing? When I pick her up from school, she, she can hear me in a crowd, but Guapa, I'm over here. It's like, dad's over there. He called me Guapa. That means pretty in Spanish. 
okay? And so here's Jesus. He's using a, a term of endearment for the little girl, right? He's like, sweetie, hey, sweetheart, get up. That's how personal Jesus is. He's not formal. He's not like, hey, man, you. No, it's like, sweetheart, get up. And immediately she stood up and began to walk around. Remember, Jesus hadn't raised from the dead. He's powerful enough to raise the dead, but he's personal enough to do it just for the mom and the dad and the daughter. And they were completely astonished. And I love this part in verse 43. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. He said, guys, you keep this to yourselves. Y'all enjoy your time together because as soon as this gets out, it's going to go crazy. They're already excited that I'm healing the sick and I've cast out demons. Let me, let me get out of here and y'all enjoy being family again before you say anything. He's personal enough to care about each of us. He didn't want the family to be mobbed. He didn't want everybody going crazy. He wanted them to enjoy the resurrected life together. He'll do that for you. He's so personal. He cares what you care about. He wants to know what's on your heart late at night. He wants to know what you're thinking about for the future. He cares about your family. He's personal. And he's so personal, he'll powerfully work in our lives to do the miraculous. So knowing these principles today, church, how can we pray for miracles today? Have you been waiting on God to move? Has it been 12 years? Maybe it's just been a few months. Well, we know God loves us in the waiting. Or maybe God's asking you today for more than what, what you were willing to give to begin with. Maybe God's calling you out of the crowd to come tell your story. So that as you're stepping out in faith, he's ready to heal. Or maybe God's asking you for things you've never seen God do before. Maybe this is a gyrus moment for you. It's like, God, I've never seen you do this. I've never heard of you doing this. God, I need you. I need you to move. Huh? Or maybe God's just want to be personal with you. Maybe you've been so focused on God doing the spectacular that, you've, that you've, you've, you've missed out on the personal time with God. And God's wanting to do something personally in you. So personal that you can't dismiss it. You can't say it was because so-and-so prayed for me. It's because they sang that song at church because it was this sermon. No, God wants to do it so personal that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that, hey, that was God. So as we pray today, let's think about these principles. Let's apply them to the miraculous things that we need to see in our lives. Maybe it's physical healing. Maybe it's emotional. Right? Maybe it's career or school. Right? Maybe it's family miracles we need to see. Individuals need to be saved, give their life to Jesus. Maybe there needs to be healing in our families. God can do the miraculous. He's more personal and he's more powerful than what we can imagine. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. God, that as we read the testimonies of what you've done, God, we can apply them to today. That you, Lord, we know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. That just like you moved in the woman with the issue of blood, you'll move today in us. That just like you moved in Jairus' daughter's life, you'll move in our lives. 
So God, we're declaring today that we're, God, we're waiting on your time frame. God, when you want to move, we're ready for you to move. God, as we wait in the process, we're ready to grow in our faith, to trust you like never before. God, to let you change us from the inside out as we wait. Because God, we know your timing is perfect. Lord, we're ready to give more. God, if you're asking us for more faith, God, help us have more faith. God, if you're asking us to trust you more, Lord, help us to trust you more. God, if you're asking us to open our mouth and begin to share prophetically and in faith what you're doing in us and what you're going to do, God, we want to do that. Lord, I'm ready to share my testimony, what you've done in me and through me. Lord, I'm ready to be just like the woman. Tell the whole truth. God, not hold anything back. Lord, I'm, I'm ready to be like Jairus. God, to trust you for things I've never seen before. God, I, things I've never heard about. God, I'm ready. God, search our hearts. Speak to us today. God, speak to us about the miracles that you want to do. Provisions and healings. God, how you're going to do the supernatural every single day in us. As we're praying, if today you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've heard, maybe you heard me mention how, how the woman with the issue of blood not, didn't just receive healing, she received salvation. Or maybe you're online and you're thinking the same thing. How can I receive salvation? The Bible tells us that it's by faith. That by faith, we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. That we confess Him as Lord and then we repent of our sins. And so I'm about to pray and I encourage you to pray along with me. If you're online, you can pray along with us to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now. You can use my words or you can use your own words. But we're gonna confess Him as Lord and Savior and we're gonna repent of our sins. And the Bible tells us that when we do that, we begin a new relationship, a new life in Christ Jesus. So pray with me. God, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. I can't save myself. I believe Jesus is your son, that he lived a sinless life, that he paid for my sins on the cross. I want to live for you every single day. I want to I want to serve you. I want to share you with all of my friends and family. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, if you prayed that with us online today, please let us know in the comments. We'd love to, to follow up with you and help you take next steps. Hey, if you guys, anybody's praying that with us this morning, please, I'll be down front to help you take next steps and here at ICF and you can take in your, in your spiritual walk now. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to the message today. And I want you to be encouraged that if you have decided to invite Jesus into your life, it's going to be the best prayer you've ever prayed. And I want to pray it with you. So will you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And from this day forward, Jesus, I ask you to be the leader of my life. And I will give you all. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying for that. And if you have invited Jesus in, you'll see the information below. I want to hear from you so that I can be praying with you on this new journey that God is putting you on. I also want to say maybe the message touched you today, wherever you're listening around the world, and you're saying, Pastor Jen, I need prayer for my miracle. I need prayer for God to intervene. I want to pray that prayer for you, and I want to believe that God has never run out of miracles, and today he has a miracle in motion for you. So Father, I pray right now for my friends that are listening to the message and asking you for a miracle in their life. God, would you intervene? Would you show them the miracle in the making, the evidence of what they have been asking for as they follow you, as they serve you, as they trust you. And today I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the favor of God would flow and open those doors that have been closed, heal those bodies that have been sick and bring that heart to life that has been weary. I thank you, God, that you have amazing miracles ahead for every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.